Alright, welcome to the first episode of the Midnight Rambler. I'm your host, Angelo Cosentino, and today, I don't know what to talk about, honestly. I'm just winging it here, so, let's see. Uh, I put in my 30 days notice uh, as of yesterday for my job so I can go back to school, and... I have two years to figure out what the hell I'm actually going to do with school because I still need to knock out my associates. Uh, at the age of 28, I still need to knock out my associates. Shouldn't be a scary thought because, you know, everyone's race is a different race. It's at a different pace and there's different walks of life. I spent five years in the military, got out, and what, two years ago now? Yeah, just a little over two years ago. Um, sorry, a little under two years ago. Now, I've been out of the military and I did a semester at school and I'm like, eh, not a fan, still. So, I went right into the job, uh, you know, the job field. I'm like, okay, who's paying what? I'm gonna make some money. Did a uh, worked for a hotel slash resort for a year. Wasn't bad, but it wasn't to the pace of my liking as far as making money, making moves, making things happen. It just wasn't at my pace. And the job I had, um, you know, it was it was an easy job. I was pretty much a maintenance slash technical guy. So it was it was relatively laid back for me because I didn't have to do a lot of people working with people. It was mostly equipment, and I had a small team of guys I worked with that helped maintain and improve the resort. And that was a decent job, but I'm like, yeah, it's not enough money to live comfortably. And I'm I'm not one of those people that wants to be rich someday. I just want to be able to live comfortably where I can have. Uh, more than enough set aside and I can just breathe you know that that this happy little medium where you make money and then some you know I, I would never want to be someone who has the, a burden of wealth because it truly is a burden if you actually look at these people that are making exorbitant amounts of money they're putting 60 to 80 hour work weeks to make that money and I like my free time I like my hanging out time. I like my doing whatever the hell I want time. I'm not someone who's going to be working in excess of 60 hours a week. I will work up to 60 hours a week if the pay is good enough. I'll do that, that's not a problem. Uh, but in excess of that, that's a little bit out of my, my, my range of aspirations, if you will, to how much time I'm willing to put into a, a, uh, a job. So I got out of the hospitality gig because I'm like, okay, this isn't going fast enough. I'm trying to, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make some money here, you know, um, making stacks and moving racks or however that phrase goes. Next move is to a machining plant or manufacturing, but it's really uh, a place where they get stock parts and then they refine them into better versions. 
basically machining. It's not really manufacturing, it's more machining. It's like, hey, here's these pre-cut items. Now I want you to make these look good and make them fit within these uh, constraints. It's like, okay, cool, we'll do that. Just about finished a year of that and I put in my 30 day notice because again, I'm at that point where, okay, I was aggressive enough to make more money there too. Not a substantial amount, but within a year I got a raise, you know, and, and uh, but uh, again, just wasn't to the speed I'm looking for. So here's my, my fallback plan. It should have been my initial plan in hindsight, but hey, you don't know until you know, until you do things, until you find things out for yourself. You can take all the suggestions you want, you can take all the advice you want, but unless you go out and do something and find out for yourself, you don't know. And that's where I'm at right now. I know. I have to go back to school. Uh, and I'm, I'm not a tradesman. I'm not particularly crafty or have the patience to spend the next decade uh, in apprenticeship and, and then make good money. And I know eventually I'm going to become an old <laughs> person. Uh, my body eventually is going to break down and the stresses of, of uh, being a craftsman will take its toll on me one way or another so i figured okay i guess i have to do something that's a little bit uh talked down upon in my um not a lot of my family but in my family it's predominantly blue collar workers it's predominantly um rough and tumble type dudes guys that come home with greasy palms and and soot under their fingernails type of deal. So now realizing, okay, you know, this isn't all it's cracked up to be. It, it takes decades to get to where they're at, where they're comfortable living with their professions and their trades. And I'm 28, a couple decades for me is gonna be 48, which isn't bad, but whatever. The point is, I have to go back to school. So I'm gonna go back to school, I'm gonna get into some type of discipline, um, be it something that has to do with international business, because I always enjoy traveling. I mean, that's why I joined the Navy. Uh, and the, the branch I, that I was in, the Navy, it was all about, hey, you know, you can see the world. Unfortunately, I was on a submarine, so I saw a lot of the world. Uh, under the under the water line uh, I did get to go to a couple places uh, Japan a bunch of times Guam a handful of times Singapore once that was a breathtaking experience to say the least it was just a fantastic place and I got to see the world and I got to experience all these different cultures and I started to get this knack for learning languages and, and, and having a, a, a a very deep passion for understanding different cultures and learning about different cultures and how they operate and how they develop these different things because I'm American and as an American you kind of miss out on that experience because you're constantly involved in the melting pot you're constantly in an environment where the guy down at the package store is speaking Arabic, and then in the next town over, the guy in the package store is speaking um, some 
some form of uh, uh, Indian language. And then, you know, you go to work and in hospitality and you have a lot of people speaking Spanish or uh, Haitian Creole. Um, and then the Spanish people, they have different ways of speaking Spanish because they come from different countries that speak Spanish. So when you're constantly engaged in this melting pot, you don't necessarily get to see the distinctions of the different cultures you approach. Because at the end of the day, they're all Americans. And we all hold that value true to ourselves. And right, they, they, and they all come from, and all these people come from different cultures, but they've inherently adopted the American persona. And, and, and uh, you know, in the majority of their mindset is very American. As a, you know, culture, they, they've entered the melting pot. And you don't get that experience that I got being overseas here in the States. Because when you walk onto the islands of Japan for the first time, you realize you are actually in a different country. The, 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 the safety net of being in a country where everyone speaks English, uh, at least English well enough to communicate with each other, totally, you know, it, it changes your whole perspective because now you're the alien, you're the foreigner. And uh, that was, that was, um, crazy, crazy ass experience, uh, feeling that for the first time. And th before that, the only country I've been to was Canada. Now, granted, it was the French, predominantly French, French, uh, Quebecois type Canada. So that was a little bit of a culture shock, but Canadians are just our funny sounding cousins to Americans. It's, that's really all they are. So yeah. International studies would be pretty sick. Doing international business, even if it is just being someone's busboy, glorified busboy in a suit, that's still cool because I'd get to travel and all that stuff. And then another option that I've been presented with was just get my Siemens papers and become a merchant marine, or or do work uh, for you know private uh, sailors stuff like that. And I really don't want to go back out on the sea unless I can help it. Some of my best and worst life experiences happen out on the open ocean. And, uh, you know, I, that's, that's an environment and a chapter that I'm trying to move on from. Um, if that makes any sense. So Siemens papers isn't really the thing I want to do. Like, yeah, let's go on a sailboat with a couple of friends and have a good time. Sure, but I don't want to work out on the sea for the foreseeable future. I think, you know, maybe 20 years. I'll be like, oh man, I, I remember when I was on a submarine and it was all rainbows and butterflies and, you know, whatever. But right now, it, eh, it's still pretty fresh in my mind, so it's not something I want to um, mull over too long or to be stuck in. Uh, but yeah, so being involved in, in international business or at least travel, stuff like that, big fan of, big fan of, uh, I honestly think more people should travel because it's, it's a very eye-opening experience. It's a very, uh, humbling experience. I think that's the biggest, most important factor. 
a lot of people are not willing to humble themselves uh, to experience something to the fullest extent. And I was very fortunate to get to go to a foreign land, a couple of foreign lands, and experience these cultures and and how their laws work and, and just the food, how that's reflected in the culture, the art, everything. It's it's a humbling experience because as an American, like like I said, you're you're constantly in the, in the melting pot. You take so much for granted. Uh, for sorry, for granted. And you don't realize just how good you have it until you go to some places. Now, mind you, Japan's not a bad place, but it has some hiccups there that I wouldn't want to live with. Um, you know, their justice system's a joke. Uh, I mean, you think America's bad? You think you know the the um, the, the gang violence and the shootings are bad? They are bad, but when you walk into a country and the first thing you're told is they have a 99% conviction rate for crimes, you gotta stand the hell back and realize, hey, these people are super polite, but it's not a matter of their culture. It's a matter of, of, of you know, political imperialism. These people are in a stranglehold in one way or another because of their justice system and uh it's uh, it's very unfortunate uh, and, and, and it and it forces uh a collectivism or a sense of collectivism for the sake of just one's own survival not necessarily because the culture benefits the most from that form from collectivism if that if that's uh if that makes sense Just a reminder, if you're still listening, I have no idea what I want to talk about. I'm just talking to the talk. Uh, if uh, you're still listening and you're enjoying it, well, then bear with me because I'm going to just keep going until I can't anymore. So, where was I? Right. A lot of the stuff we take for granted in America, you, you couldn't get away with in other countries. And sure, other countries have benefits over America. Like, uh, again, I'll use Japan for an example because I've been studying their culture and their language for a couple years, at the very least. And uh, you know, their healthcare is is it's it's a, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. The way they have their system set up, the way the single payer system works, is uh, is well done. I like how their tax system is set up. So like. With America, you have tax brackets, right? So, and the problem with brackets is when you transition from one bracket to the next, you can end up um, having less money than you did in the previous bracket, which I feel is very, um, it's the antithesis of, of, of what would be considered a progressive tax system. Whereas with the Japanese tax system, as I understand it, it is, a bucket system. So where we have brackets, it's like, okay, so you make 20,000, or correction, you make 40,000 a year, and then the next year you make 42,000. Well, you just jump from the 12% bracket to the 15% bracket. So guess what? You actually just lost money 
by jumping up brackets. You're actually making less by being in a higher bracket. Overall, you're making less being in a higher bracket. Your net take home is less than when you're in a lower bracket. Where the Japanese do is they have a bucket. And the way that buckets work is instead of transitioning from bracket to bracket, you're transitioning from bucket to bucket. So when one bucket's filled and you still have excess income, well, that excess goes into the next bucket. So it doesn't entirely take away that, that net loss from jumping from bracket to bracket, uh, but it does make it a smoother transition if you're going from bucket to bucket, because with the bucket you go, okay, so you're making 30,000 and then we have a bucket for 32,000. So in your 30,000, you're paying 11% and you fill that 11% of 30,000 in that bucket. And then you go into the next bucket and what's the remainder is $2,000. So you only pay, you know, the next bucket's uh, a, a 14%. So now you're only paying 14% of whatever excess is paid over that bucket, right? So that loss is totally, uh, is totally different. Then if you just jumped into a bracket, now you just lost three grand. Whereas you jump into a bucket, you're still making more, uh, you still have more in, uh, take home income even as you go through the buckets. That it's, it's a true progressive uh, tax system in the way it's that reverse pyramid where you're actually, you are paying a higher percentage, the greater your gross income is, However, comma, your loss is not appreciated, you know, your, your loss isn't as dramatic, say, if you were jumping through tax brackets, which I think is brilliant. I'm like, okay, you know, it makes more sense. If you're going to have a progressive tax system, um, then that's the way to do it, in my mind, because it's less harmful to the individual. Um, and you're still getting your extortion money out of them. I mean, taxes, whatever. Uh, I mean, personally, politically, I don't believe in progressive tax system. You pay 15%, you pay 15%. If you're making 30K, you pay 15% if you're making a million. No tax breaks, no cuts, no write-offs. You make this much, you pay a percentage of that, period. But that's just me, I'm crazy, you know, wild out of control uh, or not you know I could be making sense in the rest of the world insane but we'll never know so right uh, so there's there's things to be learned from from exploring other countries and actually setting foot in the place and breathing their air eating their food talking to their people you get a deeper understanding of what's so important about your own culture um, by being exposed to other cultures, which is, it's, it's, it's an important thing because there's a lot of people, uh, college-age people, I would say, that don't have a true exposure to these other cultures. They've never really been anywhere to, to have an honest criticism of their own country. And that those perspective really changes things. Like, for example, what I was just talking about, the, the tax system, the progressive tax system Japanese have, and 
I'm not a terribly liberal, uh, progressively minded person when it comes to um, taxation. But I feel if they want to have tax reform, and that would be a great compromise uh, to to be brought up in, in the Senate or you know even on the state level, it'd be a great compromise to put that into practice. Of course, that would never happen because progressives are all about more, more, more money, not so much about helping people out. They just want more funding and more government. Um, yeah, that's just how that works. And it's been such a stark contrast in the past decade. Like, there's the, the party line is so thick with manure. It's just thick with manure and excuses and nepotism. It's just ridiculous. But, uh, you know. And you don't have to be, quote unquote, someone as world traveled and in. in wise to the ways of the world is me to really get that and literally just look it up but yeah so maximize time out earlier the whole international studies and getting to travel and whatnot that'd be great the um other thing i'd like to get into would be communications uh not necessarily mass media although i feel like that's a route that would be suitable for me. I did mass media in high school, loved it, loved it to death. Uh, my teacher hated me though, because uh, it was a little too, uh, <laughs> a little too opinionated in front of the camera. Imagine that. And uh, mildly abrasive in front of the camera. I'll, I'll put it that way. So, but uh, yeah, no, I, I would like to do communications because I. I do uh, video editing and, and things like that in my off time and, and uh, work, working on trying to build a YouTube channel or uh, things like that. I play video games a lot, but it's because I enjoy video games. It's not like, you know, it's not like some 12 year old playing Fortnite because they live in a closet and mommy and daddy don't love them anymore um, or mommy and daddy don't love each other anymore. It's nothing like that. I've always loved video games. I've been playing video games since, cripe, I was three years old. I learned how to operate a computer before I could, uh, for whatever, for whatever it's worth, uh, write a sentence. So, <laughs> uh, I had that going for me. That's, that's something I've always been into as games as a kid. Um, and I just never grew out of it. I mean, some people don't, some people do. I just never grew out of it. I always found a fascination with um, games. I think my interests have really narrowed down because it used to be, I was really big into shooting games. I was really big into, you know, these adventure games with mass amounts of exploration. Now I've gotten more into kind of like simulation games. Like there's a game I'm playing right now called RimWorld. And uh, quite literally, I'm playing it right now as I'm speaking into the microphone. And RimWorld is the type of game where uh, you take control of these these small these little characters. They're called pawns, and their their bodies are shaped like pawns on a chessboard. But they have human faces and you know clothing that's form fitting to uh, that pawn shape. But they're commonly called pawns. Um, 
and you're dropped down onto this world that is inhabited by other people and you have to survive and find a way to get off that world either uh, doing enough technology research to build a ship and get off planet or finding a ship repairing it and getting off off the planet but that's the whole goal however one of the I suppose unintended consequences of this game uh, is, is in its design most people don't actually play it to finish they play it to play it because the way the game is formatted it's set up as you have these different AI built into the game that generate scripts and generate these events in the world that you're playing in for example um, with different seasons come different events. As summer comes, you might have a heat wave, and now you have to protect your colonists from the extreme heat that's outside. So you have to set up air conditioning. You have to set up, um, you know, atmosphere barriers within your your base or your your building that you've constructed, and uh, and protect them from the elements. Or during the winter, you could have a cold snap, and now it's negative 32, and everyone's starting to get frostbite in their fingers and hypothermia. And, they're, they're in dire straits. Other times, it's not even environmental. It could actually be hostile ponds from uh, around the world coming to raid your base or to uh, capture your people to be slaves, things like that. So you have that element at play as well. Um, uh, you have events where uh, large horde of animals has some type of uh, disease that causes them to be manhunting and now you have to deal with that and chances are you're gonna lose some people you're gonna lose you're gonna lose people along the way uh, to uh, during this whole story the development to from landing on the planet with nothing but the clothes on your back and basic ability to construct a, a hovel to the end game where you have a starship and you have all these defenses built around the starship while it's taking two weeks to start up and everything the world has to offer to destroy you comes into your little part of the world and you have to hold on for for dear life to hope that at least somebody's going to survive and make it off that world as those raids come and those hordes of uh, mercenaries and pirates and slavers and and uh, just hostile factions come down upon you for two weeks time in game and you're losing people left and right and then finally the countdown clears and there's no one left aboard the ship everyone's been wiped out they've been incapacitated or they've been captured and the ship takes off and no one's on board. Maybe one or two people, tops. Uh, but what happens from you crash landing with nothing on your back to that final epic um, last stand to 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 start up your 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 ship to escape this planet? Everything that happens in between that is. Is a, is a computer generated story. No story, no two stories are alike. Everyone has a different experience and every playthrough is a different experience with different challenges that come in to play. And 
your different your your pawns themselves have very different personalities and different traits and different skill sets and you have to learn how to manage all that to make um to to how either make or break this this game of ultimate survival and that's an amazing experience to be found in a game you know there's there's men who write novels uh about experiences like that and you can find an experience like that in a game where it breaks the fourth wall because you are not just reading the story you are an active participant in it and the risks and the rewards that come with with that type of environment it's it's an amazing it's an amazing experience granted it's it's simulated and none of it's real but once you once you suspend the um once you're in a suspension of reality and you invest in these characters and you invest in these scenarios it's just as if not as um dramatic and, and uh, emotionally impactful is a, is, is a great book. And I think that's amazing to find in games. And I look for that in games where I'm not just playing chess or I'm not just shooting people and who are shooting at me because we have to get the high score. And at the end, it's, I really delved away from those very simple types of concepts for gaming. And it's not that I look down upon them, I just, lost interest in them because I've found um, I, I find that, that games that can build a narrative and build a story and create that same immersion that a, a very nice you know a very well done movie or very well written book series can bring to you I tend to gravitate towards games like that and, and Emeralds is one of those it's nuts it really is it's absolutely insane uh, the extents to which events unfold. And, uh, this, so I've been playing it for quite a month now. And not, and just what I said, no two stories are the same. I have multiple save files on, on my computer that I'll just start up one day and go, okay, how are these guys doing? What are these guys up to? And, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's hell of a drug. I'll, I'll tell you that. It's hell of a drug. Be, being able to invest in a story like that. And uh, to to have that suspension of, of uh, reality for a couple hours or three or four hours sometimes. Uh, I'm guilty of that. It's a, it's a crazy ass experience. Alright, so that went a little bit long, about 30 minutes, but uh, rambling for 30 minutes, it's very, it can, it can be somewhat taxing on the mind. So, if there's a specific topic in there that you'd like me to ramble more about, or if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast for a specific topic, or just to have a general chit-chat, um, to be a, a fellow rambler, if you will. My email is cosentaj at gmail.com. And for those of you who can only read and write in phonetic, that is Charlie Oscar Sierra, Echo November Tango, Alpha Juliet at 
gmail.com. I'm not going to do fanatics for gmail.com. You all know what that means. So have a good evening, afternoon, morning, night, whenever time you're listening to this. And I hope to hear from you soon so we can get another one of these episodes out and uh, hopefully have a guest speaker next time in a little bit more focused format towards a certain topic or topics. See what happens. Until then, have a good one.